Jim, I know that you get really confused by acronyms, don't I do, you? I do. So because of your confusion, AMT rebranded their entire conference because they you, knew AMT. that you don't like them. No problem. So they have rebranded the GFMC conference oh, yeah, to the one... MT Forecast Conference. Well, that's not too bad. They cut off two letters and added a forecast to it, which is probably pretty good because I bet you the forecast is all about forecasting, yep, right? Now you know exactly what it's all about. So it's the place to go if you want to talk to your peers and understand from their perspective what the future of manufacturing is. Well, we all want to make good decisions on our business going forward. And I believe that through powerful networking, we can make good, resourceful decisions based on what our peers and the leaders, the speakers that are going to be there that have that crystal ball that can kind of tell us and guide us in that direction. Absolutely. And if you want to attend the MT Forecast Conference, it's going to be October 10th through the 12th at the JW Marriott in Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you register by September 17th, you get to save $125. Sounds good. MTForecast.com. Bam. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Sanger. Now, let's make some chips. All right. Here we are. Here we are. Metalworking Nation. It's 12 o'clock Central Standard Time. We're in Chicago. We're here. We're at IMTS. The place looks awesome. It's rocking and rolling. Yeah. And Jim, you know what? We have a problem. There's a massive talent shortage in U.S. manufacturing. We cannot fill the, the future pipeline of manufacturing leaders. I know. That's what people are talking about all the time. It's you know, the hottest topic. But you, Jason, you, you know as well as I know, as well as all the people out here, that manufacturing is challenging. Manufacturing is but challenging. you believe, I believe, we all believe, if we can work together as a community of yes. manufacturing leaders, that we can mitigate this problem and solve this skills gap. Yes. And you know what, Jim? We have a great group of panelists here to show us how to grow our business by, do? by getting the right people in the right seats and solving this problem. They are a diverse, powerful group of manufacturing leaders and they're going to help us solve these problems. How many are we having today? We have four. Four? All four. right, good. What I want to you know never from, told me. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> here you go. But what I want to know from you is what have you done differently to yeah. recruit people at Car Machine and Tool? Well, you know, it's tough. And we always say... you do the, think differently, I think differently. Right. We want to do things differently. And what we try to say on the show all the time is we need to start thinking differently about our business. Yes. And what I've done that's had some really good success lately is I've been doing culture videos. Okay. So the culture videos to me were really impactful to my business because I get a job, I, I have a position that needs to be filled, 
I create this culture video and people look at me, they see me. If they don't like the way I talk, the way I look, if they don't like how that shop looks or the how the office environment looks, you mean they, actually, they won't even bother sending me. You mean they actually want to go to work for you after they, they see a video of you? To, yeah, well, sure? some, some people sure? don't like the way I look, some people don't like the way I sound, and, and that's okay. But we've cut through the fat and we've already opened the doors already. That's so great, that's, that's thinking one thing. That's one thing that I've done in my business, and I'm great. sure the thousands of people that are here today can definitely tell us different things about what they're doing differently. And, and we're gonna learn some more than just that. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Have you seen all these kind of cool pictures around here, like the yeah, whale what, what submarine that? That? and the Is that an the eagle with an airplane? Yeah, I, don't, I, I guess so. Yeah. What, what's different. the relevance to that? I think we're like merging robots with animals or something. I, I don't well, know. Well, we're, we're soaring. Yeah, we are. And we all know manufacturing is having a renaissance that's, right now. That's true. And it's awesome. And I'm thrilled to be in this business. You know, look at all these people. Look at all these people. And you know, we've got all week. It's only yep. day one at uh, 12 noon. So how about instead of them listening to us, we bring up our panelists? That sounds great. Okay, let me come get our introduce notes the first one. person. So the first guest that we have, she's actually been on Making Chips before. She was on episode 100, which was our first panel discussion where we talked about culture. And she's a dynamic millennial leader. She's a great friend of Making Chips. She works for Smalley Ring Manufacturing Company. Jessica Ducci, please come to the stage. All right. Our next panelist is literally a titan in the industry. He has lived a life of homelessness on the beaches of Maui, spent time behind bars, and fought for the chance to build his own CNC machine shop. Titan shared his story of hope and perseverance with a national television audience. Today, Titan is not only an expert in CNC machining, but he has become the world's leading advocate for the future of manufacturing education. Please welcome to the stage, Titan Gilroy. All right. Thank you, thank you. Okay, up next, we have Federico Chimarella, and he is part of getting the intelligent young engineering minds at Northern Illinois University into a career in manufacturing. His research group was recently awarded a US patent for laser-assisted machining ceramics. Wow. He serves on the American Makes Roadmap Advisory Groups for Additive Manufacturing and 3D Printing. He is the Associate Professor and Interim Chair of Mechanical Engineering Department at Northern Illinois University's College of Engineering and Engineering Technology, Federico Chimarella. All right. And last, but certainly not least, our fourth and final panelist who clears a path for manufacturing to grow as she travels through 14 states, working directly with schools, districts, and entire states to justify and sustain viable manufacturing programs at the secondary and post-secondary level. She is the Director of Education from the Morris Group, Haas Division. Please welcome to the Making Chips stage, Tony Neary. Well, welcome everybody. Yeah. We're yeah, happy to have you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ready to get this party started. Yeah. Have a seat. Yeah, thank you. I will. You can thank sit you. down now. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even ask you, do you like my Making Chips shoes? They're yeah, the Making Chips colors. I don't know, I don't know like if they're that? good for me, but yeah. I, I kind of like mine, but they're, you know, they're good on you. Okay. That, that's your brand. That, that is true. <laughs> Tony, we're going to start with you. 
Our question for you is what perceptions need to change in the school system in order to bring better manufacturing, bring the future manufacturing leaders into our community? Well, and I think that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it because I honestly don't think perception is the issue that we have when we oh, talk great. about youth. I think we have an awareness issue. So if we think students are going and saying, ah, manufacturing, I don't think it's for me. I think we're flattering ourselves. We're not even on the radar. So for me, it's more about creating awareness and showing students the world around them is made and not purchased. Um, I know with my kids, it's like, what material is that made out of? What process do you, do you think they did to actually make that part? So I think what we need to do is look at how do we take STEM education and actually link it to STEM careers? And I think that's through manufacturing. It's where STEM really comes to life. Okay, so they're just not making the connection between not manufacturing and being in a career in manufacturing. Right. And don't get me wrong, added manufacturing is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Making yeah. chips is a lot sexier. So. <laughs> well, thank you, Tony. I'm glad, I'm glad we had you on our panel today. <laughs> But no, I, I totally get it. And just before we went on, we, we said, well, how do we make the perception of manufacturing look sexy? How do we give it that Hollywood style? Because there's so many different careers out there that the youth of America can go into. And there's so many other industries that are doing a great job of promoting it and getting people in. People don't understand how great this career can be. It can sustain a lifelong family, you know, forever. Yeah, absolutely. It's done well for both of us and for everybody here on the panel. Absolutely. So what, what have you seen that has changed that awareness? Well, I think we're starting to see more and more Manufacturing Day events, Manufacturing Month events. We're okay. actually talking about middle schoolers doing hands-on activities that are STEM-driven. And, you know, Manufacturing Day is a great way for us to open up the doors and really show people what's happening right in their own backyard. But I think we've got to change the conversation. We need to stop trying to define manufacturing. We need to stop talking about, you want to be a CNC machinist. You want to be a welder. No, you want to be in manufacturing. It's a quick trajectory, great pathway. If you are willing to show up, work hard, learn, and pass a drug test, you will go anywhere in manufacturing. So I think we just need to change the conversation. We need to start saying, do you love problem solving? Do you love Lego kits? Do you love working with your hands? Do you want to be a part of a bigger solution? Then let's talk about career pathways that might be good for you. I think we need to stop selling manufacturing and we need to really show what it's all about. And manufacturing is about solving the problems of the world, making the world a better place, and culture. It's yeah. really that yeah. culture of manufacturing. It absolutely is. Yeah. So our next question is going to our friend Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi. Hi. We, we try to craft these independently for everyone here, by the way. So what changes should manufacturing business make to their culture to attract talent to their company. So I think we, you know, we've talked about careers. We keep saying career, and I think that's really where a culture needs to lie in terms of what is the career, what's the development that an individual can take. I think we're selling our current generation that's coming up into manufacturing a little bit short and just making the assumption that they even A, know what manufacturing is, but B, that they're gonna be content in the same job for 20 years. And right now, most companies don't have the organizational structure or the path put in place to continuously challenge and grow. And when we look at things like Industry 4.0 and the way that manufacturing is growing and changing and developing, we need to, as companies, adapt to that as well and create career paths, create development plans for our young generational leaders that are coming in and can really do amazing things. But if we're not equipped to kind of support that desire to do more, to be challenged, to be developed, we're gonna lose them to the companies that are. And so it's really, I think, about 
getting you know your social media presence up and running and showing these success stories, showing people that have developed and have turned into these great leaders that are doing really challenging, industry-pushing things and showing that next generation that this is what you can do with your career. Right now, I think that the misperception is you're going to be, you know, I hate to say the phrase, but pushing a button for 20 years. Right. You know what, another thing too is, you know, maybe the perception is old school perception because I've been in this industry for multiple decades and I've seen, you know, highs and lows of the businesses. Mm. So when we had that horrible recession back in 2008 and there was nothing going on in manufacturing, I believe that a lot of people thought, oh, that may not be a good industry for me because I may never be able to get rehired into it. Or my uncle Charlie was in manufacturing, he worked in a machine shop, he got laid off and he was unemployed for 24 months. It was a huge hardship. But I think now that manufacturing is really pushing the envelope, it's skyrocketing. I don't think that there's ever going to be a time like we saw in 2008 ever again. I, I like that notion of what you said about keeping people's attention. I think the, the younger kids, they're used to things changing for them all the time. They always say, you know, their yeah. attention spans are shorter. And I think one of the great things about manufacturing is that you get to do so many different things. And it, it's not just about pushing a button. You're designing, you're engineering, you're solving problems. And there's a lot of things going on. It's a complicated business. Manufacturing is challenging. Manufacturing is challenging. It's not easy. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I didn't get this gray hair from being a person. <laughs> so, I mean, it just happens. But the thing is, it's, it's a struggle. But I know at the end, if we push hard, it's going to be successful for everybody and the entire manufacturing community itself. Yes. So my next question is for Federico. Federico, how does higher education need to change so that graduates will begin their manufacturing careers with more of a practical skill set? Yeah, because we always think of education as, you know, it's not practical in the real world. But right. I know you're trying to change that. Absolutely, and that goes right with our tagline for Northern and the College of Engineering, which is bridging theory with practice. So in our classrooms, all the projects that we do, we make them based on actual applications. We engage industry. So we have, obviously, in Northern Illinois, tons of manufacturing, Rockford nearby. So really trying to find ways to interact with them and make sure that they're not just solving the problem in the book, they're actually solving somebody's problem they've been confronted with An in this class. From a design problem. Exactly, better. exactly. Yeah, and I think when they, when, when they connect the dots and they realize that what they're doing on their CNC machine, mm -hmm. that part that they're actually removing metal, cutting chip, putting that tapped hole, putting that helicoil in, I believe that if they know what that end result will do, it will definitely define them and define their work and define their career. Yeah, absolutely. Titan, one word. We're, we're ready for you. One word, free. You're giving away education for free. You've got your academy where you're training young people in CNC manufacturing, and you are giving away something for free that other companies have built a revenue model around. That's disruptive. Why are you doing it? I think that's one of the problems right there is everybody's trying to make money off it, and it costs money to actually make curriculum, right? So it's not a, they're not adapting to the latest technology. So you one thing that I'll agree with is pretty much everything that's been said here. Tony was talking about awareness. We need to bring awareness, right? Yep. We were talking about the 2008 you recession, know, it was recession awful. and it went down. It, you know, coming into 2008, I was making a killing. I was making a million dollars a month killing it. Because you it, were doing something I, different. Yeah, and I was half price of anybody else. And I realized 
they're all running at 20% of their capabilities. And I, I looked at like people coming out of schools and they can't get good money, right? So that broke my heart. So later on, I jumped into SpaceX and Blue and Aerospace, but I started dedicating myself to our kids and our trade to learn through real applications mm -hmm. and running parts consistently and many parts because these kids have to actually run complicated jobs, put their finger on that button nonstop. And if I wanna to touch a huge amount and it's not about money, why not make it for free, right? So I hunted down sponsors, I figured out how to solve that problem because we're manufacturers and now we've got 45,000 students online and we're just 170 countries, boom. That's great. And, and how can the average CEO, Jim, I don't think you're average, but you know, you're like the everyday man CEO, you know, say a Jim Carr from Car Machine and Tool, he runs a great high precision job shop. How can his low company, low, low, yeah, but, but there's a lot of companies, you know, similar or dissimilar to you. How can a, a manufactured leader, a CEO like Car Machine and Tool, how can they benefit from your free academy? So the free academy is online. So it's academy.titansofcnc. Anybody can go there. Any CEO, any parent with their kid can go on there and go through the tutorials and learn for free. One of the biggest things here is like, I think we've settled for mediocrity. Making, putting four threaded holes in a part and making an iPhone case is not gonna get you 35 bucks an hour, right? So one thing that we're doing is because- so How do we make that money? Because <laughs> that's what I wanna know. Yeah, yeah. You can have every piece of paper in the world, but you're not gonna make that money unless you can produce a part efficiently right. with quality. I want that feed rate cranked up to exactly. 150. I wanna so, see the chip flying off at a 60 degree angle. Exactly. You know? So if you go to the Kenna Metal booth right there, you'll see my son who's never been on a manual machine, all his chess pieces in one operation out of 6L4B titanium. Mm. And that is the curriculum. It's titanium, it's Inconel. It's running hard tough parts. To machine. It's tough to machine. Yeah. And we machine it lightning fast because we're showing the tooling, right? Titanium, if you grab your machinist handbook, it's 175 surface foot is it what is. they tell you. With we're running it at 400, 500 surface foot. So the curriculum is not just curriculum. It's, it's from an expert standpoint. This is how you solve problems. So a guy like yourself who owns a shop, yeah. you're fighting for that kid. I tell the kids, you interview the employer because you've got the skills to actually be a pillar in that company. I like that. Go in there and actually make it happen, right? But if he, he comes in and he's good enough to be an apprentice like many are, and it's not their fault, it's not the school's fault, there's not a lot of funding out there. Haas is doing a tremendous job at like giving money to schools and, and helping out with machines and stuff. But at the same time, we gotta lift up the curriculum and make sure the curriculum makes the machines look good. It makes the company look good. And make it accessible for everybody. Make it accessible for everyone. So, what Jason and I say on the show all the time when we interview people, we always say, give me a success story. Can you think just of one success story that you remember that was so incredibly impactful to you personally that you'd like to share with us? Well, I'd say right now, if you go over to the Mighty Byte booth, you'll see a fixture. So one of the, our teaching series is a fixturing series. We say the art of fixturing because holding parts is not just in a vice, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a fixturing series where a young man actually took our curriculum. So his dad's a machinist. He never was a machinist. He actually went in on the weekends. He did the Titan parts, learn how to mill, 
running on uh, Haas machines and basically went and did all the fixturing series, made the base plates, and then it's just a tremendous uh, success story because now he just went and actually bought his own machine for $30,000. This is a young man and it's, it's a tremendous story. And now he's in business? Huh? Now he's in now business. He's in business. Wow. I have a question. Are they using GNM code programming or are they using PAM technology yeah, they're using, to generate their programs? Yeah, so what we do, what we do is, dif is different. Okay, right? tell me, I want to hear about, because it's all about being different. So I basically, everything that everybody does, I do it backwards because I teach you how to program the machine GNM and code. I teach you how to design the part before you ever touch a CNC. Mm -hmm. So on day one, I teach you how to design the part so you know the part intimately. If it's four inches or 3.5, or whatever the tolerances are, you know it because you designed it. Got it. So therefore, when you go to a CNC, you know comfortably what you're trying to make. Yep. And then we go to that Autodesk software, the 360, yeah. and basically, so it's Fusion 360, yep. and we teach you how to program, and you've never touched the machine, but guess what? You just intimately design this part, right? Because you have a now, raw knowledge of the parts you're gonna be making. Exactly, yeah. if you go to Kenamento, they have 90,000 SKUs, but now you're watching a video where I explain five tools, a face mill, end mill, chamfer, drill, and tap. And we basically just walk you through the process, you copy what we do, and you program it, and then you simulate it, you watch the tools come up, yep. use the same surface for the same chip load, yep. and guess what? Use where, the same chip load on every single the, tool? Different tools, oh, okay. and every single part changes, materials change, chip load, surface foot, everything changes, right? But basically, when you go to the CNC machine, where a lot of people are dissecting it, they're, they're like saying, hey, learn measuring, learn this, learn this, learn all these things, and, and if you put a wrong decimal, then this machine can crash and, and be like $20,000 damaged, <laughs> so everybody's scared. But in this system, they walk to the machine, and they know what they're making. They watch the simulation over and over. They put the program and they watch the simulation, right? Because the machines that's what, are incredible. That's how, that's how, awesome. They are. It's a great yeah. machine. And I haven't they, been on a machine in a couple of years, so I, I'm not quite that's a that. Good, that was a good plug, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> but, yes, we appreciate that one. But, I'm not, but, well, I don't really know what that simulation yeah. looks like. But, I, but you, I, know, I, you I, see I the tool come up. Yeah. You put the numbers in. You watch it. You see it on the machine happen. And then, then you go through a series of steps to actually put a vise on the table, stone the table, put a, put a stop on it. Indicate put it in, in. Put parallels, indicate it in, zero it, zero your fixture, run it above. You go through a certain steps that your teacher helps you with, but all of a sudden you run the part and you have confidence. And that's the problem with our kids, they don't have confidence. But because of the way we approached it, which is backwards, they actually make their first part, and guess what? The next part is a little bit different, but it's just like it, and you go right to it, and the next one, and the next one, and the next I get one. It. I get it, I get yeah, it. And, and then that makes sense, because usually, you know, you want that student to have three months of training before they get on the machine yeah. so they don't crash it. That is great. I've got a question for Tony. We have 120,000 people coming through IMTS. In real practical ways, everybody here wants to help the manufacturing industry. They want to increase that awareness for the youth. How do these 120,000 people individually help to increase that awareness in a very practical way? Because everybody just kind of sitting back and saying, yeah, 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 I want to do that, but they don't know where to start. Show up to your advisory committee meetings for your local what's it, schools. What's an, what do you mean an advisory yeah. committee? So, yeah. Yeah. so every single technical high school, college, and university program has an advisory committee that meets at least one or two times a year. And their goal is to bring in local industry in their area to hear what are the employer's needs. 
The problem is a lot of programs have developed this into you show up, you eat a piece of pizza. Hey, I want you to sign off on this curriculum or this content or I want to buy this machine. Right. I want manufacturers to actually show up and say to them, what is your biggest challenge? So I can tell you most of our career tech centers, those instructors cannot get into their feeder schools. So how do they go and recruit the top-notch students? How do they go and get the kids with the engineering mindset, that super artistic kid? How do you find that kid that thinks they don't know math because it's never been done in an application format? So in order to do that, guess what, manufacturers? You're the tax base for that school district. You can get in there. So why don't you go in, you can grab one of our Haas simulators, Take that, pop it on a desk in a math classroom, show them X, Y, Z, say Cartesian coordinates happens every single day. You want to see geometry come to life, show a simulation, pull up Titan's website, show the awesome projects that kids can do, and change the conversation. Mm -hmm. So that all of a sudden, you have your really, really good math kids saying, wow, that's pretty cool, I want to see what I could do with that. The other thing is you have these great Project Lead Way engineering programs, but kids are working on desktop machines, they need real machines. A CNC machine, if it's not running with cutting fluid and they don't have an air gun on it, like they've got to learn on real industry equipment. And that's what's going to get them excited. You know, Absolutely. when they see those 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 chips, the making chips, I mean, see them flying. Or, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's I'm excited. actually flying out Friday morning, going to Cincinnati. Coleraine High School brought together 12 local manufacturers awesome. and he said, I need my shop updated. I need it brightened up. They had 12 manufacturers. They brought in 14. They raised $100,000. We're going to the grand unveiling of their new machine Great. shop on Friday. And they're so. supported by local CEOs of manufacturing companies. And that's just it. So manufacturing day is a great day, but let's not just focus on the technician positions. When a student comes through your facility, introduce them to engineering, marketing, finance. Let them meet everybody. Because if we keep showing kids we want you to come and be a technician, you're missing them on the growth potential that manufacturing and that's, holds. that's a a perfect example about how a good company has a good culture too. Absolutely. Right, Jess? Yep. Yeah. So I have a question for Federico. So um, when somebody finishes their program at NIU, is there any way that NIU is working with the students and the local companies, the local manufacturing businesses to get these kids that have these degrees placed in local or, or in the entire country? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Tell me how that's working and how it's changing. So myself, I've actually toured a lot of the local high schools and we have a great relationship with Austin Poly. They actually Mm. certify kids coming out of high school with NIMS credentials. So let's say they want to come to NIU, they're so interested in manufacturing, we're going to, as faculty, advise them, introduce them, as I said, to individuals and companies that are doing projects. So it's not that they're just looking from the book or I'm reading something that's been read for 10 years, we're taking these projects and saying, how can we challenge you? And we're asking companies to come to us and say, what are the real things you need done? What are the problems you're having? And how can we help you? Or how can I change my curriculum? So I teach like a laser materials processing course. And I actually had my students that were trying to learn about just manufacturing in general. I said, okay, now I understand lasers are somewhat new and companies might be a little hesitant, but how you might be able to introduce them into these new technologies like laser welding, laser cutting, laser heat treating, and see how they can interject it. And there were some really great projects they were coming back with. And so by the time they're done, they're already got a wealth of experience from the projects. We have engineers and residents. Every semester we have companies coming in, over 60 companies locally that are looking for our engineers because they know that our students 
aren't just book smart, but they can actually make things yeah, and understand how to do it. So you, you would be taking a project from, say, like a car machine and tool and actually getting your students to interact with that. Absolutely. Help solve Jim's problems. I know Jim gets confused sometimes. And, I do. You know, he <laughs> I do. Gets, you know, yeah. I've got, I've got yeah. So he could use a little help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right, every, right. Now, every now and then. <laughs> I want to direct a question back at Just. Tony was just talking a little bit. We were, we were talking about culture. I really am a firm believer in culture. I think it's yes. extremely important. What I've seen growing up in a machine shop over the last 40 years and the way my dad used to run it and how everything was so guarded and secret and everything. But what I've seen is the successful companies, the ones that are making leaps and bounds over everybody else are the ones that are really embracing culture in their companies. Can you give us a couple of tips on how a manufacturing company can start today to increase their culture awareness and what can they do in real world? Not major things, but just sure. a couple of little tips. Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is to really just take a second and to figure out who you are as a company. I think that culture becomes such a buzzword. And there's this idea that culture is everyone's walking around and saying hi to each other. And so, okay, we've great, great. We've got a great culture. Everyone's really happy all the time. Or we put time. some values on the wall. Yeah, we hang like some that. really cool yeah, posters yeah. up, maybe a cat yeah, hanging on yeah. a rope and it's like, hang in there. And yeah. that's so not you your culture. Define, so define yourself as a company. Yeah. So who you are as an employer, what are, you know, what do you stand for? What are your values? And where I work values, at Smalley, yes. our biggest thing is training, development, and communication. You know, those are the people values. We actually identified a culture passport. We put it in writing, we handed it out to our leaders, and the minute that we established that, it was like, this is the code that we're going to live by. So you can't really move forward until you know who you are and what those steps are gonna be that you wanna take. Are you gonna dedicate yourself to training and development? Are you gonna dedicate yourself to internal communications, to bringing your employees in, to engaging them so that they understand, okay, I'm not just making another part. I'm making a part that's gonna go into you know, a helicopter, a plane, that's gonna have an impact. Now, all of these little things are the pieces that actually define your culture. It's not the saying hi in the hallway. But I think the biggest thing that a company can do is to take that day to get your leaders together in a round table and decide what your employer brand is going to be. Who are we as a company? What are we going to stand for? And then you can start building off of that and you really can take it to incredible places. It, it's transformative, quite frankly. Yeah. I've seen you know just a small company like I'm running acting out on just a couple little changes and I've been telling Huge. you, it's it's amazing to see the paradigm shift. It's incredible. Did you want to say yeah. something? To I did. I just want to say, and that's what's most engaging to the next workforce. People are quick to jump on the bandwagon about millennials this, millennials that. But I have to say, if they find a career that they're really passionate about, they're the first ones to tell everybody about it. Mm -hmm. So if you can create that culture for your employees and they want to bring their friends and family in to see what they do and to work there, right. it's a game changer. Yeah, I mean, I imagine everybody at Titans needs to be really passionate about your mission, right? Yeah, I think one thing that we have to, when we're talking culture, yeah. one of the key words that I'll talk about is vision. Everybody yes, needs vision for the company, vision for the employee. A vision for, for the company so that the employees love the company. They should be aligned. They, they yeah. want, like I talk to, I, my guys come in on Saturdays and they're like, can I come in and get on a machine? Hey, can I come in? I'm like, oh, you got to get somebody else to come in with you and this and that. They beg to come to work yeah. and they're not even getting paid because we set a vision that we're going to change the industry and they see us going and I'm so like open with everybody. So I, I always talk about where we are, where we're going, what we've achieved. They see the podcasts and the videos and they love it. So because 
they have the vision and they believe in it, they want to be a part of it and be pillars to lift it up, right? And because that's why they, they know they have an active part in the success of the exactly. company. Exactly. That's the key thing. Exactly. Right they are a pillar yeah. in that company and they love it and they will fight for it. People want to know where they're going. They don't want to just show up every day yeah, exactly. and do the same thing. They want to know I'm, I'm doing here and I'm contributing to something that is going to happen in five years from now exactly. or 10 years or whatever that is. Absolutely. Do you have a culture at Northern Illinois University? Like I said, for us, it's bridging theory with practice. So okay. let's get things done. Let's show these kids that they can do it themselves. And really what he said, have your own vision. I'm yeah. not teaching you to repeat things or to follow a certain thing. Break the boundaries. Don't just come to class and take notes. Ask me questions, challenge me. I always say, it's like, do you go to a movie and then fall asleep? Sometimes right? I do. Maybe. Yeah. I, if it's I, not I a good movie, I've probably done so. one. But I'm saying, if you're doing that in my classroom, you just hand me the check now and I'm I still gonna get my, my job. But yeah. ask questions, challenge. Yeah. Don't take the, those things for granted and really develop yourself. Yeah, go ahead, tell so one, one thing that I'll say that not a lot of people talk about. We're, Remember when I said mediocrity, we're settling for mediocrity. Yeah. In this business, we're competing against the next company. It, we are competing. And those employees, they might not think about it, but they're competing against each other mm -hmm. because they want to make the money. They want to take their families and put their kids through college and they want to become a programmer or do something. So they that's one of the- They want to go out to dinner. They want all those things, yeah. right? And that's why I think a lot of people like really love the videos and the TV show and stuff. What we're doing because we're showing them how to compete. You go to school and you look at the football team and the baseball team and you love it and you come out for it. So why not on a machine shop that's competing globally, yes. come out for that machine shop and push those limits so you can actually make money and then like love it, right? Yeah. Jim and I have talked about this before because as we create that awareness, as Tony talks about, there are going to be a lot of companies fighting for people, and those people are gonna go to work for the company that resonates with them, the company that is an enjoyable place to work, that has a vision for the future, that has stated values, and those companies that are just not addressing those things, they're gonna lose people, and they're I mean, not gonna be able to hire wanna, them. Do you wanna to go to work for a company where the boss is awful to work for? No. He comes in, he's grumpy every day. I want my employees to come in, and I want them to be happy every right. day. You know, I wanna create that kind of environment so they can be happy, because I know if they're happy and they're successful, that we're all going to be successful. Yeah, and it's if the, the guy down the street is not focused on that and he's not paying attention, they're gonna leave him and they're gonna go to work for you and I and, and everybody yeah. up yeah. here. Well, you, know, you know how you solve that problem though, that grumpy ahead, guy? This is a hard trade. I mean, when you lose your company and you lose these jobs, you lose your house, you lose yeah. your ability yeah, to take no, care of your families. Yeah. That guy who's like has that grumpy attitude, you start competing, you start looking at new ways of pushing tools and those machines and you come in and put the extra time in and I guarantee you his attitude will change. And when yeah. he's making money because you're a pillar and other pillars are rising and lifting him up, that attitude will change. Yeah, he doesn't if want to get left behind. go somewhere yes, else. Absolutely. Tony, there's another question that I really want to get to. Can you offer any tactics to diminish this bad karma, the perception of manufacturing? Like I said already earlier, I've been in this industry for quite a long time. I've seen a lot of changes over the last few decades, and it really isn't your father's machine shop anymore right. or your grandfather's machine shop. So how do we take this old school perception and change it to make it 
exciting for the new generation? I think it's one of those things. I mean, when you walk into a modern manufacturing facility anymore, it doesn't look like that. There are still some manufacturers there that are, it is there dark are, and dirty. Yeah, I've, I've seen them. And they'll compete for the employees and they'll have to pay more hourly wages because it's not that pristine workplace. I think our biggest issue is we have so many programs at the high school level that look like the old shops. So I think oh, people walk by right. and they've got manual machines right at the front of a machine yeah. machine class. It's like the first thing I want to see is a control panel for a CNC machine. You go past welding and all you see are welding booths. You don't actually see what it is. So right. it could be as simple as a screen at the front of the door that shows modern and advanced manufacturing. It could be a minimal investment. It can be looping videos. It can be showing some of Titan stuff that he's done. But I think what we've got to do is we've got to look at investing into those programs to actually attract students. And I think so We've got to make think, it competitive. Do you think we need to start this on the high school level? I think middle schools would middle actually school. be a better start. And I, I think, think what, Tony, what Tony's saying is we need to replace those manual machines with the CNC machines now. But they cost money. Yeah, they do. How do we get I them mean, into the shop? You know I what? Mean, How much money is it costing you not to have a workforce? Well, that's exactly. That's and, and Titan, you mentioned before, forget about the manual machines. We could start them on the CNCs, right? I mean, they don't even need to. The old mentality was they need to learn the manuals and then they move up to the CNC machines. But you would say you would disagree with that. I'm going to tread lightly, but I'm going to be <laughs> truthful, right? Yeah, yeah, please. I think that one of the problems with education is everybody on the big boards who are making standards or doing things, right. no offense on the suits, but no. they're not in manufacturing anymore. And in their day, they were on, they actually put the time in to learn how to file, to learn how to do different things. I don't say you don't have to do that, just do it while you're actually making a part that you believe in and you understand. Right. Learn inspection while you're actually measuring something that you get because that's how kids work today because knowledge right. is right there. Right. right. And just move forward. I think that my kids, they make parts for SpaceX, five axis parts. They've never been on a manual machine. Right. So, but because people are intimidated by CNCs, they, they want you to do it how they did 30 years ago, but the machines keep, they're voice activated now. I you know, know I've mean? heard, I saw like, that. It's crazy. That's I, I, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I know, it's so, crazy. So why not have training that's on the level of these CNC machines? Why do it the same well, way if, we've if always done it? you can take it. your phone and say, take me to McCormick Place, why can't you say, exactly. I need to take a hundred thousandths off the face of this? thing and I need to, you know, to put it at 300 inches a minute at a 10% radial cut, no, right? Every, every once in a while I have people come up and say, hey, Titan, like you shouldn't teach the kids like this. And literally now, because What's there different? are thousands of them, I just point to all these kids holding up their Titan parts. And I'm like, they're not supposed to, you said that they can't do that and they're holding it up. Right. This is a new generation. These guys grew up on cell phones. They, their technology know. is in their hands and they get it. And if you try to squeeze them and put them the way you did it, they're gonna walk away from the trade. We talked about awareness, we need to. We walk into SpaceX, there's a 170 foot rocket there on perfect floors and the Dragon capsules right there. It goes to space, That's you crazy. know what I mean? Right. It's a viable, awesome job. Yeah. If we're honest, six figures is not even enough to actually raise a family now, right? Right. So we need to step up. We need to show them the industry. That's why we do videos to let the counselors and people show the parents so we can show them that, hey, IMTS can be out there also, right? Right. Awesome. I just want to well, touch on that. I think it is the fear of maybe the older generation, too, wanting to hold on and say, no, this is how we did it. Yeah. 
I think it's okay to not know. I mean, I'm a professor. Sometimes I get asked questions I may not know the answer. I don't say, oh, like my teachers might just criticize me for asking a question. I'll say, hey, that's a great question. Let's go find the answer. Because if I don't say that, they're going to do it anyway. So then I lose credibility. So I think we got to let go and believe in these kids. Like he says, give them, let them have that vision and let them go and not say, no, it's got to be this way, then that way. Right. And let it, them make them let them crash the machine right. every now and then. Right. Well, we I don't know about that. I didn't say it. It happens. Let me let me right. ask you right. something. They put in the wrong in, tool offset, and boom, that happens. In no. machine tools, yeah, horizontal mills are this year is like seven hundred percent growth. Yeah. Right. Right. Horizon, what was that? Horizontal, horizontal mills. Right. We run off seven hundred percent growth. It's the biggest moving because it's all about automation. It's about bringing jobs back. Right. Why do we not have standards for our kids that teach pallet systems, that teach those machines? Yeah. Why are there no five axes? Five axes is it's easy. New. You can teach people easily how to run five axes. There's no standard. Right. It's all old. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're doing is we're just showing we used to have to do it like this, but now you put one zero, everything you did on the computer, just do the code and it does it. It's that easy. People just don't get it. Yeah. And you're going to attract people with the, the horizontal milling machines and the new technology, the five axis. Absolutely. And that's like how you, you don't want money. You, you don't want to put that in your recruitment that, hey, we have old machines that were, you know, <laughs> no, that you could talk about. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you guys are saying, what can manufacturing companies do to change the perception? There are so many little things that the community came together. You know, like Tony said, the, the idea that we're in these dirty, dark shops, you know, we opened our doors to our community high school and asked the parents to come in because a lot of it is still at the parent level. You know, right. is it something that the parent's going to feel yeah. proud talking about with their friends on, yeah. on the Saturday night? My oh, Timmy's going into manufacturing. Yep. That perception needs to be changed. So I think that if manufacturing as a community started opening your doors to the high school, to the middle school, showed the shop, showed the capabilities. Right. The change that that could make, especially, you know, kind of on a small scale and as that grows would be significantly impactful. And that's such a minor thing to say, hey, we're going to do an open house. We're going to find our local manufacturing association. We're going to try to build these partnerships, build these career paths. We would see a lot more students going into it because they are out there. But a lot of that struggle right. is when they go home. There's still the well. I don't know if that's going to be the best path for you. So you because still need there, there's that fear in the back of their mind. Yeah. They remember the 2008 recession, or they remember that yeah. their uncle Joe was in it. And yeah. He were. I remember that shop, and it was dark and dirty, and he came home smelling. It's not like that yeah. at all anymore. Right. Or very, very, very few shops very look. Few. Yeah. look like that nowadays. Yeah. And that's the perception. It's that's the, the career perception. influencers. Yeah. They go home and say, Mom, I want to be a machinist. And Mom's right. like, no, 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 you're going to go to a four-year university because yeah. that's what we've been saving for. It's exactly. like, buy a lake house. The, yeah. the manufacturer will pay for them to go to college. So to wrap all this up, we, we're uh -huh. done, we have no more time for questions? We don't. We don't. Okay. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I want to okay. say something. Go ahead, Titan. Said. Go right ahead. Machinist, that is changing because of the way engineering software and CAD CAM is evolving. So it's no longer just a machinist, and a machinist is an engineer. It's all compact yeah. together because the technology is there and anybody can learn it, right? Right. So we're building our own fixtures, we're building our own tombstones, we're, we're doing it, and therefore, because there's gonna be a lack of workers and people are gonna be buying for it, everybody's gonna start getting paid more money. That's a fact if you're good and you like put the time in to advance your craft. All right, in closing, and Jason and I typically do this with our panelists on the show, when we have guests. Really rapid fire, we'd like to go through every panelist real quick. 
Give me a 60 second answer that the metalworking nation, all of us here can start to do tomorrow to mitigate the skills gap. Just a really quick, high level, 60 second answer. Tony. Take your manufacturing at your company for manufacturers, take a marketing person and a recruiter out to go meet with your local manufacturing programs and ask how they can help. It could be a single flyer, helping them create a social media presence, but you're paying for a marketing and recruiting budget. Why wouldn't you feed your high school with that so that right. you have more students to choose from when you're recruiting? Great. Right. Titan. Go to academy.titansofcnc.com. <laughs> Shop owners, go yeah, there. I will. Learn about it. And then pick a Saturday morning and bring your employees, the women from the office and different things. Not saying women are just in the office, but we need more women in this yes, trade. We do. We do. Sense, right? Some girls three, like Three percent is not good enough. But yeah. grab everyone. Bring them in on a Saturday morning. Go through the free curriculum. You don't have to redesign it. You don't have to remake the wheel. It's right there. Just go through it. And actually, because Autodesk is free for all education, yep. they can actually do it at home do all the projects and on Saturday make parts together, right? right? And if you're a salesperson in the industry, if you love this industry, go to your local school and tell them about the free curriculum and, and talk to people about the training, and show them the videos and show them that we're putting rockets. SpaceX is part of the aerospace. They show yeah. everybody how to do it. Now you got Blue and Virgin and everybody, right? It's an $800 billion industry. It's about- With a B. It's about- with a, with a B. With a B. It's about to be a T because it's about to be a $2 trillion industry because all these companies are rising up and that's those are difficult parts. And you know what sucks? SpaceX is firing companies all the time because they can't do the work because how do you get qualified for that work? Right. right? Everybody working for Boeing, they're all busy. That sounds like another podcast. Exactly. Talk about <laughs> that. Right. I'd like we'll to know about that. Like, no, 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 no. But yeah. I'm serious. That's a very good thing. Because yeah. I wonder sometimes in my own company, how do we get the credentialing to do that type, that level of work? Exactly. I'm going to get all my application so, engineers on your academy, yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of the things that we're doing yeah, is building ahead. blocks that teaches you how to make parts, right? Yeah. We have a new building, building, so BB Arrow, that teaches you true positioning, coming off a datums, tense positioning, you know yeah, what I mean? I do. Teaches you actual aerospace machining on a three-axis machine, so the same machines that you're using to make these other parts, you can actually make aerospace and follow much more intricate prints, right? And then you master those parts and keep those tolerances and double-check everything, and that's when you can actually walk into SpaceX and actually get a job, because it's not about the piece of paper, no. it's what you can make and how efficient you are at doing that. Federico. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, don't uh, don't think of us just as an ivory tower. We definitely do a lot of hands-on work. So if your company, come reach out to me or one of my fellow faculty, ask us how can we help you. We want to engage you. We want real problems. We want to be hands-on, give our kids things to solve, to tackle, that we can do that. And we have programs like Engineers and Residents. We're actually going to start a PhD program that's going to be application-based. So we'll still have some that'll do the traditional route, but these will actually be students that are going to be deployed to the industry, per se, work on a problem that would be kind of at that level and then be able to get a PhD from that. You should right. apply for a PhD, Jim. Oh, no, I'm not going back to school. I'm done. I'm thinking of retirements in the future. I'm not, I'm not going back to school. I'll let you do all the education, buddy. Yes. Instead of just talking about the skills gap being part of the solution, not waiting for it to be presented. So getting out in the community, judging skills competitions, asking to go into the high school and speak to the classes, 
to bring your top CNC guys in and show them parts and things that you've manufactured to really, you know, donate equipment, to do whatever you can. I think a lot of companies are, are very quick and easy to say the skills gap is just such a struggle. But if you can become part of that solution and really get involved in the community, and like I said, donate equipment, judge competitions, show what can be done, if everybody did that, we would really start to change that next generation that's coming through. Yes, awesome. yes, absolutely. All right, well, we genuinely yeah, thank, you, thank all. you all for coming with yes. us today. Day one of IMTS, it's a big deal, and we appreciate the time that you gave us today on stage. Yeah. I hope that somebody listened and is going to take your expert knowledge and put it to work tomorrow. I think these four definitely equip and inspired some manufacturing leaders out there. I learned thank a you. lot. Making chips. Yeah. 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 There we go. Jason, IMTS is just a few short months away. I'm super excited. You know, we're going to be there every single day. I know. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the South Building and what's going on there. What, what can we expect to see? Well, the South Building, the metal cutting pavilion oh, takes the up the one. entire thing. So you're talking all your machine tool guys. DMG, Mazak, Haas. All the big boys are going to be there. That's the only pavilion within the South building is going to be metal cutting. Because it's so big. Do it you even so know what big. a pavilion is? I do know what a pavilion what is. What is it? It's a small little house. Yeah, like, like a tent or something. Yeah, yeah but it this is. is bigger than a tent. I bet you can't spell it, though. P-A-V-I-L-I-O-N. S. Pavilion. Z. V? Yeah. Huh? Pavilions. Go to IMTS.com. <laughs> yeah, register now. Early bird pricing is before August 10th. Hurry up. Get your room, get reserved, get on the board, and come and see us. Jim, I thought that was great. I mean, wow. I, I, I like what Jess had to say. Don't, don't complain about it. Be the person that takes action. Be a doer, not a complainer. I don't like hear complaining from you, so I always like to say, Jim, do something about you're that. Always complaining. <laughs> no, no, I'm always complaining because you're always late. That's true. That's, yeah, I'll, that's try, a, I'll try to be gonna, better. You're going to take yeah. that one. Yeah, okay. I'll be better. I was Thanks. here on time, so it's okay. No, <laughs> no, I, I think it was a great diverse panel yes. of people that can really, really offer a little piece of knowledge. Yes. To make us better for tomorrow, it's. Absolutely. I think it's. I think it's. It's imperative. Do you want to go over and tell the people that are here today if they're going to be here tomorrow what we got lined up for the main stage? Yes. What we're going to be talking about tomorrow is what's on the manufacturing horizon. What is on the manufacturing so, horizon? I don't know, Jim. We're going to have some people up here that are yeah. going to tell us about it. So we have Lonnie Love, who's with the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. We have Jay Rogers, who's with Local Motors. I think that's the autonomous vehicle that's taking people. Around here, the, they have the a campus. Here yeah, exactly. And then we have Adrian Allen, who's with the Advanced Manufacturing Research Center. And yeah, well, they're going to be, be talking panel. workforce, automation, technological innovations, domestic and global political regulations. So I think it's great. It's been a great day one. Yes. Can't wait for the rest of the week. I think we're going to get better as we keep going. Yes. And if you want to hear more from Jim and Jason, by all means, go to makingchips.com, yep. hit that subscribe button to make sure that you can get the latest from the metalworking yeah. nation. We, we want to equip and inspire you to be better manufacturing leaders tomorrow. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The Metalworking Nation is committed to a new way 
to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. Jason isn't quite as dynamic as me when I introduce people. <laughs>